welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, Kingdom Culture family, so good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new with us, welcome. If you're part of our Kingdom Culture community, welcome. Please let us know in the chat where you're watching from, what you think, how the message, how the experience is impacting your life. Like it on Facebook, share it on Facebook, like it on YouTube, share it on YouTube, or share the YouTube link on whatever social media platform. It helps us spread the news. Of course, subscribe uh, to the channel so you can get the alert notifications when we are going live. Today, we're going to be diving in and jumping around uh, to a bunch of different scriptures. It's gonna be a little bit of a different style of encouragement today. I call it an encouragement because it's gonna feel more of like an encouragement, uh, more of a a little bit of a charge to us in this season, not necessarily like we're gonna be breaking apart uh, in depth uh, a passage, okay? So track with me this morning, and I wanna just start off by talking about how in this season, during, and I, when I say season, I, I'm kind of really defining this pandemic season that many of us are still living in. It's very different. It feels different. Um, the impact is different on so many people, depending on your career, your vocation, whatever it is that you do. We're all impacted differently, but we're all impacted. In a season like this, in a circumstance situation, that feels just very new. There's no real grid. There's no real reference point for how others have navigated this type of change before. You know, no matter how far back you look, no one has gone through uh, the type of pandemic or type of season that our, this whole generation is going through right now. And when I say generation, all the generations are going through right now. And it looks different for everybody, depending on the season um, of life that you are in. And in the midst of all of this, we are called to be examples. We're called to be leaders. Every one of us has a leader within us. Whether or not we're leading by example or tapping into that leadership really is up to us. But we're all leaders. We all have a leadership capacity. If you're a leader of one, leader of two, leader of a thousand, a leader of 10,000, whatever your leadership platform gives you leadership for, you are called to be a leader. Maybe you're a mother, maybe you're a father, um, brother or sister. There's some form of leadership that I believe you are currently leading in, whether you know it or not. Your example is being followed. Your um, people are watching how you respond. They're watching how you react. They are following and emulating you at some level. Maybe it's your coworkers. They're emulating you at some level. They're watching how you respond to stress and crisis. And maybe they know you are a believer in Jesus. So they're watching, okay, what's his integrity like? What's her integrity like? What's their character like? 
under pressure. This big project has just been given to her. How she's gonna? How is she gonna manage this? How is she gonna lead effectively? The, the the truth of the matter is, everybody or somebody is watching you. Might be a little bit freaky, but it's true. And maybe it's social media. They're watching how you engage. They're watching your responses. They're they're watching um, the the social media wars that you choose or do not choose to engage in. Somebody is watching and i believe that in this season we need to as some as as we are being watched watch and guard our hearts more than ever and make sure that our character make sure that our integrity and make sure that our leadership shows the best possible example but even more so than all of that what does our relationship with God look like? What does our connection with God look like in this season? How does our love, how is our love being expressed to those around us? You know, love is everything. And I remember, and I've shared this before in the past, somebody that I really really respected, um, you know, who's dead and gone now, very well-known prophet, he had this experience, I believe it was in the 70s where he died. He was literally pronounced dead and came back to life. And he shared this encounter that he had with Jesus when he died. And this encounter was, he literally came face to face with Jesus and he was gonna be sent back. This was his experience, this is how he describes it. And he said that the first question that Jesus asked him was, did you learn to love? Did you learn to love? Yeah, you could have all the cars, you could have all the material possessions, all the wealth, all the accolades, the successes as the world defines success. But really in the end, the question is, did you learn to love? Did you love well? What was your, what did your life amount to? How did you love people into an encounter with me? How did you love people into or through kindness, gentleness? How did you lavish people with generosity? How did you overwhelm them with compassion? What was your love expressed? What did it look like while you were on the earth? I think this is a huge challenge and um, it's a, a huge part of every one of our lives that we have to be aware of. And it's, it's, the, it's the question we have to ask ourselves is, how are we loving those around us? How are we exhibiting leadership and the example of love everywhere we go? It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, and above all else, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love has an ability to bring things together that were disjointed, that were divided. It says in Proverbs 10, verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. You've heard it in Romans where it talks about how love covers a multitude of sins. The proverb uh, in chapter 10 verse 12 says love covers all offenses. It's It stands as a protection. When you know that you are loved and you can love as a result of knowing that you are loved, it protects it guards, it strengthens, it stands as a defense. First John verse four, or first John chapter four, verse 19 says, we love him, speaking of Jesus, because he first loved us. We cannot love the way that Jesus wants us to love because Jesus is Mr. Love himself. God is love, the Bible says. God is love. He is the epitome and the definition of love. We cannot love unless we understand his love for us. 
It's like, and in your relationship, when you know you are loved, when you know where you are accepted, when you know you're not rejected, when you know that you are cared for and that you can be secure in that care, confident in that love, when you know these things, it's a lot easier for you to love in return. It's a lot easier for you to give out of a full well rather than an empty well. You cannot give away what you do not possess and you cannot possess something that you do not receive. And so for us to love the way Jesus wants us to love, for us to lead the way Jesus wants us to, wants us to lead, we have to first be led. We have to first be loved. And so 1 John says it so well that we love him because he first loved us. It says in verse 7 and 8, verses before, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is, like I said earlier, love. Jesus is Mr. Love himself. Now, next week, we're going to be celebrating the greatest act of love that humanity and history has ever experienced. And that is Jesus dying on a bloody cross and resurrecting and you know, resurrecting in an empty tomb, where we're going to be celebrating this story of Jesus' death and resurrection. And that's the greatest act of love. It says in John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world, all humanity, all of us, all of you, for God so loved the world that he gave generously his one and only son. This is what we celebrate next week on Easter weekend, that God sent his son because he loved humanity so much to die in the place of us, okay? Jesus literally died as us, so to speak. He died as the picture of sin. He punished sin. Sin was punished in his body willfully. Did he sin? No, but he took on the sin of humanity as the one last sacrifice to set the record straight, to literally clean up your record, to literally remove the, the stain of the sin that has defined you or had defined you in your past. He wiped the record clean and said, listen, I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to forgive her once one last time, and it happened before you were ever even born. This is why it was good news. Jesus forgave you before you ever even received forgiveness. He forgave you before you ever even confessed the sin. And remember this, we've talked about this in the past. You do not confess your sin to be forgiven. You confess your sin because you've already been forgiven. It happened one time and one time alone on a cross. You don't keep getting forgiveness. You don't keep, you don't, God doesn't keep forgiving you right now every day. He's already forgiven you. And that's why it's good news. The good news is all we have to do is continue to receive it over and over again and be reminded of it over and over again. That's why we take communion to remember the forgiveness that had already been, that has already been paid on a cross. And then obviously through the resurrection allowed us to come to new life. And so next week, we're going to celebrate this. We're going to have a special time of communion. It's going to be awesome. But I just want to encourage us that as we step into this Easter season to remember the good news is that we've already been forgiven and we've been given an opportunity and an invitation into a new life with him. And that's why 
he resurrected to show us and become the example of new life and resurrection power. And without the resurrection, there would be no life, okay? There would just be a death. There has to be a uh, uh, death to be a resurrection. So thank God for his death. Thank God for sin being punished and, you know, healing being given as an inheritance to us through the body of Jesus on the cross. But then thank God that we also can be raised to new life as he was resurrected out of the grave. Now I'm getting a little bit off topic, getting a little bit excited for next Sunday. So make sure you make sure to join us. It's going to be, it's going to be great. But just to continue on this path of love, John 15, verse 13 says this. I love this verse. Greater love, this is Jesus' words, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. I love this. We see it in John 15, 15, that he calls us friends. He calls his disciples. No longer are you servants, because servants don't know what their master is doing, but now I call you friends, okay? It's that word philos in the Greek. It's a special fellowship, okay? And he says here, there's, there's no greater love than this, than one who lays down his life for his friends. This is a picture of love. Again, it's a picture of sacrifice. It's a picture of what he did. Next weekend, that we celebrate next weekend, of him dying and resurrecting again. So in other words, love looks like something. Just like faith looks like something, love looks like something. It looks like some form of action. You can't just say you love somebody and then not actually act out the expression of love. Love has a look to it, has a feel to it, has an action to it. Our actions, like I said, demonstrate love because his actions did. Our reactions demonstrate love because his reactions did. Our speech, our generosity, our commitments all demonstrate love because his speech, generosity, and commitments all demonstrated, demonstrated that love. And we celebrate this, like I said, next week. Well, every, actually every week. We're celebrating it every week, but we're especially celebrating it uh, the next week. And so in all of this, we are expressing our love for Jesus every day. And I want to briefly today, like a little bit of a devotional encouragement, talk about a subject that sounds more of like a charge for us in this season. And I want to say it like this, show him some love. Show him some love because people are taking notes. Show him some love because people are taking notes. Now, as much as it's, you know, about love and loving the people around us, I want to talk also about what it looks like to show him some love, show Jesus some love. This season was all about God showing us some love, which which really, like I said in 1 John chapter 4, allows us and enables us to also love him because he first loved us. But what does it look like in our lives, practically speaking, to show him some love. Now, part of the motivation for this message was inspired by uh, an encounter that I had two days ago, not an encounter necessarily with God, like God visiting me, but God speaking to me through something that happened with one of my kids. I was outside with uh, my son Ezekiel, and we were playing together um, on the driveway, and one of the neighborhood friends, one of my, one of my son's neighborhood friends came over and started to play with us. And so we're kind of playing together, all three of us at the time, and then some of my other kids came out. So I was kind of just doing a bunch of different things, playing, and, and then there was obviously some interruption. You know, all the kids are outside, and we're having a good time. 
And just out of nowhere, I don't think I, even at this point, I was still engaged in playing with Ezekiel. And out of nowhere, my son Ezekiel came up and gave me a big hug, like leaned in, like put his head against my 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 stomach. That's where about he hits right now. And just leaned in and gave me this really big hug in front of his friend. And it just seemed a little bit out of like place. Like it wasn't a normal thing for him to do. But I just, I embraced it, man. Anytime my kids want to give me a hug, especially in a public setting, I'll just take it. I'll take it. Because it, make, it makes a statement to me. It, it makes a statement that, hey, like, I'm I'm not invisible. I, I'm here. Like, you know, like, even though your friends are maybe more important in the moment to you, like, your father is still here. And it really impacted me deeply. I didn't say anything about it. And that night when I was putting him to bed, um... I, I can't even remember if I asked them about it or if he brought it up, but whatever the case may be, it came up in the conversation as I was putting him to bed. And he said to me uh, that night, he said, the reason why, you know, he said, you know, you know, daddy, you know the reason why I gave you a hug in front of my friend tonight? And I said, yeah. I said, why? And he said, because I wanted to show my friend that I love my father. I was like, wow. That was like... That statement, that moment, it just meant the world to me. Now, obviously, as a, as a dad, as a mom, I think it's one of the most vulnerable things you can do in life. You know, your kids see your flaws, your kids see your strengths, your gifts, they see everything. And I think for me, compounded over the last two years, it's been a really, really intense season. And even more the last three to four weeks, very, very intense mentally draining season for me for a bunch of reasons. But one of the reasons is because for the last two years, I have been studying and doing school on the side. So every free minute I have at night, usually it's very late at night, um, studying. And even though it's often after my kids go to bed, I, I know, I've noticed over the last two years, now I'm done now, thank God, but over the last two years, I noticed that even when I am in a free time with my kids, sometimes I'm not totally present. It was like a looming pressure on me in the midst of everything else going on, a looming pressure on me. And I felt like as a dad, sometimes I just wanted to get give up, wanted to quit. And uh, what's the point of it? I feel like my kids are feeling it. You know, they're even commenting on it. I feel the guilt. I feel the sadness about it, you know, the fear of like, oh my gosh, am I am I wasting my time when I could be, you know, doing this? And even though I was still very present, sometimes I wasn't super present mentally. And um, when he did this, I don't know if it was because of all of that the last two years, but it just meant the world to me. And I thought to myself, what does it look like to show our heavenly father some love in front of our friends? What does it look like to show... God the Father, to show and demonstrate our love for him in relationship to the world around us, to our neighbors, to our coworkers. That, that statement, to, to step out, to stop what you're doing, to interrupt a moment of play, to give attention to the Father, to give attention to God the Father in front of people that are important to us. What kind of statement does that make? Because people... Like you see it in my subject title and my hashtag, are taking notes. People are watching. Whether they can articulate it or not, people are taking mental notes. Now, I don't know, and I can't, I can't um, predict this, but I'm sure that boy that was playing with my son who watched that moment literally get interrupted by a hug probably was impacted by that moment. Like maybe 
Maybe they're thinking, wow, that was interesting. Maybe they're not thinking that. Maybe they're just impacted by the visual and they're thinking, man, like maybe I need to give my, my dad more hugs in public or my mom more hugs in public and just let them know I appreciate them. I don't know what it is, but I know that the more we interrupt these moments of life, our everyday life, to show him some love, it's impacting those around us. It's impacting the world around us. You know, it says in John 13, verse 35, by this, all will know that you are my disciples, this is Jesus speaking, if you have love for one another. One of the ways that you can show the people around you that you love him is by the way you treat your comrades, by the way you treat the community around you, by the way you treat your friends, your family, by the way you treat those around you is a is one way we demonstrate our love for him. When we lose love, write this down, we lose influence. When we lose our love, we lose influence because love literally is the precursor for it all. If the disciples did not have love, they would not be able to influence the world the way that, that they did. And it had to start in the community of believers. It had to start with those around them, loving your neighbor, the person next to you. The closest person to you right now is your neighbor, to love your neighbor as yourself. But how can you even love your neighbor if you don't love yourself? And how can you love yourself if you don't first know, First John chapter 4, verse 19, if you do not know that he first loved you. And so it's so important moving forward in this season. James was a very practical book in the Bible. I love the book of James. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. My kids just finished, uh, some of my kids just finished the book of James. I think it's a very practical book of the Bible, practical applications of our faith. And uh, it says something along the lines of faith without works, faith without action, is dead. It's lifeless. It's actually James chapter 2, verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Faith without works is dead. To have faith principally, to say I believe and not live out the belief, to say I love and not live out love, is as a body would be without the spirit. It would be lifeless. It would be dead. It would be non-functional. Faith is non-functional if it doesn't have action attached to it. Faith without works is dead. We can say God knows our heart, but he also sees our actions. It's because God knows your heart does not excuse an inability to act and express the faith that God has transformed us with. Now, I want to give us, really quickly, it's going to be brief. I want to give us seven practical, seven practical ways to show him, show Jesus in this season some love. And, by, and, and, and obviously the purpose of this is not just to influence the world around us. The purpose is relationship with him. The purpose is acknowledgement, honor. The purpose is an invitation to God in our everyday. Always that. But of course, the outcome of that and the overflow of that is impacting the world around us. So seven practical ways to show him some love in this season. Now, I don't want us to come into a works mentality in an unhealthy way. There's a healthy mentality of like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta express my faith. Like, I have to step out. I have to take action. I can't just say I have faith. Faith looks like something, feels like something, you know. 
it acts like something, it behaves like something. So I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I'm not promoting like you gotta do, 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 but I, I, I really wanna help us see the reality of what faith expressed looks like and really in the context of showing him some love because people are watching. Number one, number one, and I'm gonna word every one of these as a responsiveness to God, a response of love to God, okay? So number one, worship is responsiveness to God's love. Worship, one of the ways that we can show him love is to respond in life. And I say respond because we always have things coming at us. We always have uh, circumstances, scenarios, situations, things that are coming at us that are demanding a response. So when we respond in fear, respond in negativity, respond in, uh, you know, criticism or respond in judgment, rather than responding in a way that really won't have any positive outcome, let's respond in worship. Let's respond in honor, inviting God into the process. We opened up this whole year, 2021, with a word. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it, about just understanding the value of worship and how worship wins wars. Worship wins battles. Worship wins over worry. Worship wins over everything that you feel like you just can't conquer on your own. Worship is our greatest weapon. It's our greatest weapon of warfare, so to speak, to win the things that we're facing. Because worship elevates the mind into seeing things the way God sees them. And when I say worship, I'm not just talking about, you know, lifting your hands in, in music. That's just one form of express worship. Worship really is an attitude of the heart that acknowledges God in all things. Just to, to stop in a moment and just say, God, I, just, I acknowledge you. Thank you that you're good. That's a form of worship. To get into the word is a form of worship. There's so many ways we worship. We worship by our everyday lifestyle. I mean, Romans 10 says it, that we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And that is our spiritual act of worship. So we worship by an everyday lifestyle of sacrifice. But more specifically, I wanna encourage us in this season to just stop, drop, and just lift our hands a little bit. Just, just surrender. And just acknowledge God, just acknowledge his goodness. When you feel there's no goodness around you, to acknowledge the goodness of God when you feel there's no goodness around you to acknowledge is a form of worship. Why? Because you choose in faith to see what he's promised rather than seeing the current process that's in front of us. That's what worship looks like. It looks like it's acknowledging God even in the storms of your life that he's still good. Number two, studying the word is responsiveness to God's love. Studying the word, meditating. I don't wanna encourage us to meditate on stuff in this season, on revelation, on truth in this season that's really going to transform our identity in Christ. What, I, what do I mean by that? Um, there's, it's one thing to have identity by how the world sees us. So we find identity in how the world, you know, champions our wins and, and celebrates our accolades and encourages us and praises us for all the good things that we do. It's one thing to find identity in that, but we first have to find identity in how God sees us. It's the most important part of our identity with God because you can't find, in the end, identity that will be healthy for you with the people around you. You have to find it in your relationship with God. And one of the ways that we do that is by diving into the word and really getting a hold of truths that will transform us. I love 
Romans 8, chapter 14. Now, kind of in light of this whole idea of showing him as a father some love and kind of, you know, sharing my experience with my son and how he, you know, he he stopped just to say, I wanted to show my friend that I love my father. Um, I, I think this, from that place, I think it's so important that we understand more and more and lean in in this whole identity piece of our relationship with God, of what it looks like to have a good father who loves us, who has a plan for us, who has a desire to have interaction with us, friendship with us, that we are sons and it's not gender specific, we're all sons of God, and that there's an inheritance, there's a blessing, there's prosperity as we've been talking about the last two two weeks and how prosperity isn't a dirty word, that a good father wants to give his son, wants to give his daughter, wants to give his kids good things. Like that revelation is hard for so many people to think that God is that close and cares about what we care about. It says in Romans chapter eight, verse 14 to 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. We now call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Now, you may have heard me teach on this before a little bit in the past, but this word for Abba in the in the original language means, or is, is a way of describing a fatherly term of tender endearment by a beloved child. It's a, an affectionate, dependent relationship on their father. And in some ways, in some descriptions of this word, it could be defined as daddy and papa. Calling, imagine for a second, you just shift the language for a little bit. You're so used to calling God father. It feels very very right and very proper and very professional and father, father God. You know, some of you say that in your prayers like 10,000 times, father God, father God, not knocking that, but (laughs) just change it for a second and say daddy. Because probably at one point in your life, when you were a child, when you were two, three, you called your dad, daddy, possibly. Now, maybe you didn't grow up with a father and this doesn't hit you the same way, but if you did, and you had the privilege of having that, and you probably called him daddy. It was a way that you interacted with your father. And at that point, when you were a child, you thought that, you know, you never had one thought in your mind, probably, that your daddy didn't have your back, that your daddy didn't wasn't gonna give you what you needed, that your daddy wasn't gonna feed you the food that you needed uh, to survive and to make it in life. Your daddy wasn't gonna provide the resource. Like, you just knew that daddy had what daddy needed to give you as a child whatever you needed. This interaction with daddy, with papa, God, it changes the... The, the, the dynamics a little bit. Language does change the dynamics of a relationship. You know, it, it's it's not so much about, you know, people think often, well, it doesn't matter how I how I language it or how I call. Yes and no. It's that's a yes and no thing. It language does connect people differently. I can speak with one person very different than the other person, the same concepts, and the way I language it has a different ability to make a different connection. And I do think in our relationship with God that it is important that we develop proper language. Even though God knows your heart, language is everything. When I am in that place with God and I'm calling him Papa or Daddy, it's a different space. 
It's a different space, and it may feel childish to you, but it's actually the really the core definition of where we want to get to in our relationship with God. Now, I'm not saying that you have to call God in your 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 prayer life with God, Daddy or Papa. That may not be comfortable for you. I'm just saying that the premise of that. And really the, the idea of that is what we are discussing when it comes to, you know, you know, Paul in the book of Romans chapter 8, when he's describing what it means to cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. That's, that's the, the premise. Even in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, when Jesus, the Son of God, was um, you know, in the garden and was struggling for his life and wanted to almost give up in that moment because his flesh was weak and was making the decision to go to the cross. He cries out, Abba, Father, like, I'm a child, I'm this vulnerable child, and I need my father, Abba, Father, Daddy God, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And even we see in Matthew 6, uh, verse 9 to 10, the prayer, the, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. It opens up with, pray like this, guys, just as Jesus speaking to his disciples. Pray like this, our Father who is in heaven. It's really, really important that in this season, we study the word on understanding who God is as a dad, who God is as a papa, who God is as a father, a good father who wants to give his kids the best, a good father who cares about what his kids care about. And we see this all throughout scripture in Matthew 6, verse 9 to 10, describing our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You've heard that prayer. Well, that word for father literally means one who imparts life. The whole introduction to this prayer is approaching the one who imparts life. To, to approach the one who imparts life is to approach the one vulnerable like a child, the one who is the giver of life. I'm approaching daddy God like you're the giver of my life. There, there's something about, that's why it opens it up by saying, hallowed be your name or the word is, may your name be kept holy. You're so incredible. You are the one who gives life. I think in this season, one of the greatest ways that we can show him some love is by studying the word on this topic alone, just getting into our identity in Christ through understanding who he is as a good father, who he is as Abba God, Abba Father, Daddy God, something I want to encourage all of us in this season. Number three, number three, quality time. Quality time is responsiveness to God's love. Bring him into the moments. Bring him into the play. Bring him into the workplace. Bring him into your restful moments. I, I love it. I was playing outside of my driveway, and it was like my son brought me into the moment. He demonstrated. He demonstrated an act of love by just simply coming in and acknowledging me. And I feel like we can do that with God by stopping sometimes our work, our play, our rest, by just simply inviting him into the process letting our day, letting our moments get interrupted by who he is as a father, showing him some love, even not even when people are around, just when you're alone, show him some love, respond to God in these moments, give him some quality time, even if that quality time is two minutes, one minute, 40 seconds, you know, 20 minutes, whatever it is for you to let him interrupt your day. And I, I think by surrendering and just inviting him into these moments. Number four, service is responsiveness to God's love. 
serviceness is responsiveness to God's love. It says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. God is not unjust. He's not going to forget your work, how you've helped people and shown them love, how you demonstrated that your love for them, how you demonstrated your love for me by loving those around you. It says in 1 Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. One of the ways we show him some love is by service, not just serving God, but serving others, loving those around us. Number five, living out our purpose. One of the greatest ways that we can show him some love is responsiveness to God's love. Living out our purpose is responsiveness to God's love. Ephesians 4 verse 1. One of my favorite verses in Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians. Love the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 4, chapter 4 verse 1. It says, therefore, Paul speaking, as a prisoner for serving the Lord. He's in prison writing this. I love the, the prison letters from Paul. When you, when you read a letter written from a guy in prison encouraging people who are not in prison to live out their faith, it's like it's just a mind-blowing thing. And here he is in prison in chapter 4, verse 1. While he's in prison, he's writing to the believers saying this, I beg you, in verse 1, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. That, that word literally means, okay, it literally means to live a life that matches the price tag on your life. If the price tag on your life is a billion dollars, I think that it is. I mean, it's more. A billion dollars is a, a great term for it's endless, you know. The billionaire status is like once you hit that, it's like it's endless. But there is no really price tag on your life. I mean, Jesus gave his whole life to pay a ransom for you, the Bible says. There is no price tag. But in a sense, if there was a price tag, it would be like the most expensive price tag. And God has called us to live a life that matches the price over our life. And a lot of us, we live the opposite. We live a lifestyle that matches a price tag that is so undervalued. And we wonder why we don't get anywhere in life because we believe about ourselves. What we believe about ourselves actually determines how we act and how we live out our life. Some of us believe, oh, we're just destined for this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. I'm just going to always, you know, barely make it. I'm always going to have limitations and it's never going to move forward. But if we start believing in ourselves because God believes in ourselves or believes in us, and we live according to that, we live according to the price that God's put on our lives, we will see great things happen. And so here's Paul saying, listen, live according to the calling. Live worthy of the calling. Live according to the price over your life. Living out our purpose is responsiveness, responsiveness to God's love. Number six, loving those around you. Loving those around you is responsiveness to God's love. I sound like a broken record. Two greatest commandments before Jesus died was love your love God, love your Lord, love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and and love your neighbor as yourself. Love those around you. One of the ways that we can show Him some love in this season is to get our love on even greater. You want to know what love looks like? Just read Galatians, 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 Galatians chapter five. Read about the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, self-control. Read about 
what the fruit of the Spirit is. You want to know what love is? Read about the fruit of the Spirit. And then read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Read about what love is. Love doesn't boast. Love doesn't celebrate in unjust or, or in, in dishonesty. Love believes all things and hopes for the best and is patient and is kind. It's gentle. Read about love. Understand what love looks like. Get it into your life. Look for the fruit. Like I said, you can't just say you love and then not express it. Love looks like something. It feels like something. Bring him into your conversations. One of the ways that we can love our neighbor as ourselves, like we're in conversations all the time with different people throughout our week. And one of the greatest things that we can do is bring God into the conversation. Like there's nothing worse than saying you're a believer and, you know, doing the church thing, you know, coming to church every week and never bringing God, never bringing Jesus, the person of Jesus, up in your conversations with those that you spend time with. Like, if he's so important to your life, it should be a topic of conversation. Whatever the most important thing in your life is will often come up in the most repetitious way in the conversations. I don't care if these people don't even believe in Jesus. It doesn't matter. You are called to be an example. You are called to lead. You are called to represent. You are an ambassador. The Bible says you're an ambassador. If you've loved Jesus into your life, the Bible says it calls you an ambassador of Christ. It says that your citizenship now is in heaven. So as an ambassador, guess what? Ambassadors represent. They represent. They represent someone, something. They represent the country that they are an ambassador of. Well, we are an ambassador of a new country, a country that's changed the game. That country is called heaven, okay? And we are an ambassador everywhere we go of heaven. We are an ambassador of Jesus, who is the king of heaven. So I wanna encourage us, bring him up in conversation. Watch how God moves in people's lives because you bring him up in the conversation. Show him some love by bringing him into your conversations. Number seven, taking care of the open. Oppressed, taking care of the oppressed is a responsiveness to God's love. Proverbs 31, verse 8 to 9, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Matthew 25, verse 40, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Speaking to, uh, about those who are down and out, those who are in need, whatever you do for the least of these, you've actually done it on to me. I remember I was literally visiting somebody in jail one time and uh, it was an amazing encounter. And I was, I was driving, uh, I was, I was driving to visit this individual in jail. Uh, God spoke to me very loudly, very loudly in an inner audible voice. Literally my whole body on the way there was vibrating, vibrating. He said to me, he said, Sean, you're visiting me. I'm like, what? What do you mean I'm visiting you? And immediately this scripture in Matthew 25 came to the forefront of my mind that whatever you do to the least of these, because it actually goes on to say, you know, if you if you visited me in prison, it's as, or visited those in prison, it's as though you visited me, but you did not do that. And so therefore you missed it. And so as I was driving, I, I felt like God spoke to me. I mean, I know, no, it wasn't, I didn't feel like it. God spoke to me so loud and my whole inner being vibrated. Now I knew I was like, I was visiting Jesus literally as, as, as I was, it's as though I was doing it for him. I was showing him love by taking care of those that were down and out, by loving those that were down and out. And so I want to encourage us seven practical things in this season or seven practical ways that we can show him some love. Now, of course, 
There's probably like 10,000 ways, okay? I'm just giving you seven. I'm giving you seven. Seven's a good number. I'm giving you seven today to help encourage us in this season to show him some love and not to be afraid to. There's so much stuff happening out there right now. And there's so much pressure to do this, to do that, to say this, say this, don't say this, don't say this. And if we can just center ourselves back on what really matters, and that's showing him some love and loving those around us, I just think things will get a little bit lighter, things will get a little bit better, and I believe lots of change and transformation will take place in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. I pray that I hope this encouraged you this morning. And uh, if it didn't, well, sorry, but uh, I believe for many of you out there, you can take this stuff, you can apply it to your life and really just implement it to make things a little bit better, a little bit lighter in this season. I think we just need a little bit of a lighter uh, uh, season, all of us. I think we need to feel lighter. And I think this is just some practical ways that we can just get our focus back on him and back on the things that really matter uh, in life, in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I just thank you for everybody out there watching and listening. And I pray that this message would ring true and would bring some new transformation and hope to people's lives today. God, I ask that in this season, you would show us the depth of that revelation that you are a good dad, you're a good papa, you're a good father, and that you'd show us what it looks like to live out our identity as sons of a good father, as daughters of a good father. God, I thank you that you call us by name, that you care You care about what we care about. You care about the details of our lives, God. And I pray that for those watching today, there would just be a healing of the mind, a healing of the mind where maybe, you know, you're, you're watching this and you've struggled to believe God is a good God. You've struggled to believe God is a good dad. You've struggled to believe God is a good father. Maybe you had a bad experience with your father. Maybe you had a bad experience with your mother and somehow it's painted a picture of God that isn't totally accurate. I pray, God, that in this season, for those people that, that kind of connect to that, what I just said, that there would be a healing that would happen in the mind, that we would see you differently in this season. We'd get into the word and show you some love by studying. I think one of the greatest truths outside of the simple gospel that we can get about who you are as a good father, who you are as a good dad in Jesus' name. God, I pray for everyone watching that's that's feeling overwhelmed and weighed down by this season. I pray that God worship would be their thing in this season, that to let go of the weights, to let go of the pressures, they would just lean in to just worship you. Just simply stop whatever it is that they're doing and just say, thank you, God, you're good. Thank you, God, you're good. Just simply inviting you into the forefront of their focus and just acknowledging you, just worshiping you in the midst of the crisis or the midst of the weights that they're carrying, in the midst of the pressures, they would just honor you in Jesus' name. God, I thank you. I thank you that in this season, we're gonna live out our purpose in a new way. We're gonna live out our calling in a new way, and you're gonna change the course of our life as a result of confidence in the price tag that you placed over our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, I love you. We love you. We miss you. I pray that this encouraged you this morning. Thank you for tuning in to our online experience, and we will see you next week.
Wow, what an amazing message by Pastor mm-hmm. Sean, eh? Showing him some love. I love that. I honestly love that. But the only way that we're going to be able to show God some love in our lives, through our lives, is if we receive his love. Mm-hmm. As if we're impacted by God's love. Maybe you, you never felt his love for you. It's impossible to love without understanding the love of God for us. So maybe you're in this position that you never felt his love before and you want to be introduced to his love. You want to feel how much he loves you. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that you receive this love. And then now I'm going to give you an invitation, but I I really want to encourage you. If you haven't been feeling the love of God for you, I just pray for fresh baptism of his love for your life. So Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Thank you because you have a love that compels us, that moves us, that transforms us. Thank you for being the reason why we're here this morning. We want to experience more of your love. We want to know more of your love. Touch us in Jesus' name. And this invitation is for you. If you want to receive Jesus in your life, if you want this love, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I say yes to you. I choose you today. I receive from your love. I want to walk in this journey with you. I confess my sins. I want to embrace a new life with you. And I want to say yes to you and your kingdom to walk with you for all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. And if you made a decision, let us know. Please just send us an email to prayerandkingdomculture.ca. Absolutely. We're so excited for you. We want to send resources your way. And it's going to be awesome to walk with you. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Yeah. I really hope you have an amazing week and we'll see you next week. Yes. Subscribe to our channel. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye.